Listener Production. Australia Today's Morning Agenda with Natasha Belling. Good morning. Thanks for your company. Let's check what's making headlines this Friday, the 12th of November. The Queensland Premier says tougher restrictions may need to be enforced if the state sees more COVID cases. Queensland is now on high COVID alert with two new local infections, including a double vaccinated Uber driver. The source of his infection remains a mystery and there are concerns he was in the community for three days while infectious. Here is Queensland Premier Anastasia Palaszczuk. We want to protect people on on the Gold Coast but we do now have two unlinked cases on the Gold Coast so please uh, Gold Coast is not at that 80% yet you're doing a great job but we just don't know where these cases have come from. Meantime, Australia is expected to hit the 90% first dose milestone today, becoming one of the highest vaccinated countries in the world. Multiple states are on flood alert this morning as severe weather continues to batter the east coast. Severe weather warnings are now in place from Victoria right up to southern Queensland, with northern New South Wales expected to cop the brunt of the storms and heavy rain today. SES volunteer David Rawlins says the farmers in Moree, Glen Innes and Armadale will be affected. I've never seen this up like this. It's going to be very tough. Um, a lot of the farmers along the Tumeric Valley are going to be copping it now. It's going to be devastating for some of their crops. To Victoria and a man has been charged while another remains in custody over a fatal hit and run that killed a father of four earlier this week. The 25-year-old is charged with being an accessory and driving whilst disqualified. It's alleged he picked up the man who was accused of running down the two road workers in Carrum Downs. The 30-year-old driver of the Commodore is expected to be interviewed today. And one of Australia's most wanted men is back behind bars in Sydney's Silverwater Jail after being extradited from Queensland. Surrounded by police, 33-year-old Mustafa Balouche flew into Bankstown Airport last night and is set to be charged by organised crime squad detectives. Balouche, who's accused of being involved in a plot to import 900 kilos of cocaine into the country, was caught hiding in the back of a car inside a shipping container on a truck near the Queensland border earlier this week. Now let's check what's happening in your state with our reporters on the ground. To WA and the Carnarvon House where little Cleo Smith was found just over a week ago has now been boarded up amid fears of vigilante attacks. Our reporter Emma Griffiths has this report from Perth. That's right, Tash. Contractors have now boarded up the house amid fears of attacks. The home has been guarded by officers since the four-year-old was discovered nine days ago. Crime scene tape has also been taken down from the scene after extensive extensive forensic examinations. While the heavy police presence around Carnarvon since Cleo went missing almost a month ago is expected to ease by the weekend with officers returning to Perth. To Queensland and the state's 2022 Australian of the Year Award winners have been announced with Brisbane locals Sue and Lloyd Clark taking out the top award. Our reporter David Shiraz has the details from Brisbane. Good morning, Tash. The Clarks have worked to educate the nation on the dangers of coercive control and domestic violence. After the murder of their daughter Hannah and her three children back in 2020, they've been awarded for their work in setting up a foundation, Small Steps for Hannah, as they work to ensure their tragedy isn't experienced by another family. They've also worked with the state government to establish the Women's Safety and Justice Task Force. 
In other categories, Dr Colin Dillon's been awarded the Queensland Senior Australian of the Year. Dr Tani Bridson's been awarded the state's Young Australian of the Year, with Sabra Abraham awarded as the state's local hero. Now for the latest in business and finance news, we're joined this morning by Scott Phillips from The Motley Fool. Scott, good morning. Now, in some good news, the economy seems to be recovering from the worst of the COVID pandemic, but yesterday's unemployment figures certainly remind us that it's going to be a bumpy ride ahead. Yeah, it's harsh. Good morning. We've had, and this is kind of where we are, we're in that transition period between, hey, things are starting to improve, but not everywhere, not for everybody and not all the time. The most recent data, of course, was the unemployment numbers out yesterday, and we lost 40 36,000 jobs. Now, this is October data. The New South Wales, of course, restrictions didn't really lift till the end of the month, Victoria, and kind of following that. So not a huge surprise. Not really, you know, full recovery mode yet in October, but we were hoping the businesses would be hiring ahead of those lifting of restrictions. It seems like that hasn't been the case. The good news, ironically, is that a lot more people join the labour force, join the unemployment queues from nowhere, from not, not being either employed or on the on the dole queue. So the fact they're coming back to the market says they're confident about looking for and getting a job. Ironically, in this case, even though the unemployment percentage went up, that is some good news because it means that the community is expecting jobs to recover as the economy does. Now, this may be good news, Scott, if you're a tradie. Maybe not such good news if you want to renovate or a building, but there could be a $34 billion boom ahead for the sector. It's phenomenal, isn't it? Some data out today suggests that, yeah, we might be prepared to spend up a $34 billion in the coming months. Now, we thought we did a lot of renovations. We thought we did a lot of kind of home furnishing stuff during lockdown, but it seems like a whole lot of people who have that cash in their back pockets from a bit of job keeper, a bit of job seeker, not going overseas, not holidaying, may be ready to splurge that on home renovations. It's already tough to find a tradie. Great news for the tradies themselves, by the way. They'll be stoked. But for the rest of us who are looking to find a tradie and or maybe going to have to pay up a pretty penny to get a tradie to come, there is plenty of work apparently about to be unleashed. And it's going to get just a little bit harder when it already was to find a really good tradie and get the work done you want to get done around the house. And Scott, some interesting news in the wake of COP26. BHP is looking to sell its last remaining thermal coal mine, but has flagged it may just close it down if it can't find a buyer. Yeah, and this is fascinating for a whole heap of reasons, Tash. I mean, the coal price is starting to go back up. So so that, in theory, should have said to BHP, hey, yeah, there's a business remaining here. But they have decided corporately they don't want to be in gas. They've merged those or demerged those assets off to Woodside, of course. They're also getting out of thermal coal. They have one last thermal coal remaining, or thermal coal mine remaining, I should say, which is Mount Arthur in New South Wales, they basically, they want to get rid of it and they've set a target for doing so. And effectively, they're now saying, look, if we can't find a buyer, now that tells you something, by the way, if you can't find a buyer for a mine, you know the future's not particularly bright, or at least buyers don't think so. But BHP saying, look, if we can't find a buyer, we might just shut the thing down and get get it over and done with, which is, again, on so many levels here. It talks to coal, it talks to mining, it talks to COP26, and it talks to the, the future of companies that are in these sectors and what they're prepared or not prepared to do in a world where climate change action is being required by customers and businesses want to respond. And, Scott, talking about BHP, the company has come out and announced it will stand down workers who are not double vaccinated. Yeah, in this same coal mine, actually, in Mount Arthur in New South Wales, and this is interesting for a whole lot of reasons. Firstly, they're going to send them down without pay. Secondly, the union actually took BHP to court to try and get them to overturn that decision or overturn the policy of no jab, no work, and the union was unsuccessful. Now, I'm no legal scholar, so I don't know what to what degree this is a precedent for other companies, but it seems like the court decided BHP was allowed to have that policy. BHP has chosen then to follow through on that policy. And yeah, those workers, unless they get the jab, 
possibly face the sack because if they don't return to work after being given reasonable time, the court seems to have found that BHP is well within its rights to say, no, thank you, unless you're vaccinated, you can't come to work. And that may have ramifications right across the economy. Certainly setting a precedent. Thanks so much, Scott. Thanks, Tash. The sport now with Brett Thomas and Brett. The Aussies edge Pakistan in a thrilling semi-final at the T20 World Cup this morning. Good morning, Tash. Thrilling it absolutely was. And Matthew Wade is the hero this morning. We were chasing 177 to win. Needed 20 runs off the final 10 balls. Now, Pakistan will be kicking themselves this morning because they dropped Matthew Wade. He made them pay big time with three sixes from the next three balls. We reached the target with an over to spare. He does it again. This is a match-winning effort and history has repeated itself somewhat. Australia into the final. On Fox Sports, there two of Wade's audacious sixes were ramp shots and he admits it was planned. Yeah, absolutely. Talking to Marcus Stoinis down the other end and trying to work out a little bit of what they were doing, but they went a little bit more pace on than maybe I expected, so I probably could have used it a little bit earlier, but yeah, glad to, to get a couple from out of the middle there at the end. Yeah, Marcus Stoinis chipped in with an unbeaten 40. David Warner top scored with 49. They face New Zealand in the final on Monday morning, Tash. And Brett, pouring rain didn't produce too many highlights in the Socceroos World Cup qualifier against Saudi Arabia last night. Yeah, we dominated last parts of that uh, match in Sydney, but we just couldn't find the back of the net. Got very close, though. It was the first international in home soil uh, in three, uh, sorry, in 763 days, more than two years. Uh, that ended in a scoreless draw, forward Matthew Leckie telling 10. While frustrating, there's some things to like. It's just one of those games where the ball didn't want to go in. I think still a positive uh, performance. You know, we created chances and on another day we score. The Aussies sit second in Group B with five World Cup qualifiers to go. Some bad signs, though, for defender Harry Souter, who suspected, uh, suffered a suspected serious knee injury. Didn't look good last night, Tash. And the Wallabies' Brit hopes of beating England on Sunday have taken a hit, unfortunately. Yeah, they have uh, already, of course, who are missing the likes of Samu Karevi and uh, Quade Cooper, Sean McMahon, who decided to stay with their clubs in Japan. Now we've lost Taniela Tupo, the Tongan Thor, and Alan Alalatoa, who have been ruled out of facing England at Twickenham on Sunday. Jordan Pattaya is out for the rest of the year with a hamstring injury, so James Slipper and a blast from the past, Kirtley Beale, come back in for that. But uh, after that narrow loss to Scotland, it's going to be even tougher now to beat England on Sunday. Yeah, absolutely. Wish them all the best anyway. Brett, happy Friday. Thank you. Have a good weekend. Thanks, Tash. And Australians across the country will today farewell television and entertainment legend Bert Newton at his state funeral at St Patrick's Cathedral in Melbourne. The service will be held this morning with close family and friends of the 83-year-old who passed away two weeks ago after a long health battle. Friend and long-term colleague of Bert, Rhonda Birchmore, says he was a wonderful man of many talents. Whether it be, you know, radio or theatre or television, uh that he had so many, uh, you know, friends in and, and, and was so wonderful in all those areas. And, and, and that's why I think it was, it, it, it's like losing your favourite, you know, uh, teddy bear. He will be missed. The service will also be televised this morning. And that's all you need to know to start your day with Australia Today's Morning Agenda in your podcast feed from 6.30am every weekday morning. You can also catch the latest episode in a whole new world of audio by downloading the new listener app for free. I'm Natasha Belling. Thanks so much for your company. Have a great day and a lovely weekend. And we'll see you bright and early on Monday morning.
listener.